0: Welcome to Show Me the Proof, Get to the Point, the B2B marketing podcast where we show you the proof in the form of case studies and success stories, and we get straight to the point so you can learn something valuable and get on with your day. Each week, we'll feature a top B2B marketing leader and discuss their revenue-generating strategies. You'll get actionable tips and learn how to accelerate growth through seriously smart marketing. Now it's time to have a look at the proof and get to the point with your hosts and founders of Proofpoint Marketing, Mike and Gabby Grinberg.
1: Welcome to Show Me the Proof, Get to the Point. I wish I had a gong right now because we are thrilled to have Udi Lettergore, Chief Marketing Officer from Gong, join us on the show today. Udi, welcome.
2: Thank you, thank you. And you know, you always have a gong. Uh, We we built it when we all went remote. We built virtualgong.com. If you go there, you can hit the gong like this. ah, And it will always work.
1: Brilliant.
2: So we've got you covered. Brilliant. Awesome. There it is. For
1: our listeners that don't know, Gong enables revenue teams to realize their fullest potential by unveiling their customer reality, empowering revenue teams to make decisions based on data instead of opinions. And we all know what they say about opinions, right, Mike?
3: Yes, we do. (laughs) And at this point, I don't know that there's too many uh, people out there that don't know who Gong is, especially after your Super Bowl commercial uh this this year which is what we want to talk about today and dive into some of the juicy details of why and how and uh what happened with it
2: yeah happy to so should i just get started
3: let's just uh, let's jump right in
2: all right so you know gong for for those who don't have the full context is kind of known for doing untraditional plays in our marketing we look for inspiration, not at other B2B brands. Uh, there's some great ones out there, but we get a lot of our inspiration from B2C brands. I'm, I'm interested in what Lego and Adidas and Disney are doing um, more than I'm interested in in most B2B brands. And, and that's where we get a lot of our ideas. And so whether it's things like out of home advertising, food delivery robots, sponsorships, Uh, all the way to the Super Bowl, we we tend to do things that uh, remind people more of B2C brands than of B2B brands. And that's kind of been our way of hijacking our unfair share of the hearts and minds of our prospects and and customers. So Super Bowl, I first learned about the opportunity last October. The Super Bowl was first week of uh, February. I think it was February 7th. And I, I learned about it in, in October, and I always thought it was one of those things that you have to spend many millions of dollars to advertise on. So I never really looked into it deeply until a CBS sales lady reached out to me um, when she mentioned uh, that that she thought we could be a good fit for a Super Bowl. I sort of. Tried to brush her off by saying, you know, it's probably too early. We don't have the budget. And she was very persistent. And she said, uh, this this might be in your budget. Uh, You'll never know if we don't chat. I'm like, okay, if not for now, maybe for the future. I took the call and I learned that uh, you don't have to do the national spots to participate as a sponsor in the Super Bowl. You can do regional spots. And while those are still not cheap by any stretch of the imagination, they're far more affordable than the national spots, which, as I said, goes for multiple millions of dollars. So I got thinking as we are a B2B software company, we do have very specific hubs within the U.S. where many of our customers are. And like many tech companies who sell primarily to other tech companies, those hubs include cities like San Francisco, New York, Seattle, and a couple of others. So I started thinking, well, what if I could target those areas? And fortunately for me, those areas don't have a huge population, which is how Super Bowl regional advertising is priced. So if I were to target a very densely populated area like Austin or even New York City, that would be far more expensive than San Francisco. San Francisco has less than a million residents. I think only about 800,000. So... If you go for those areas and 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 you start building a program it can actually work so i took the idea i took my ceo amit bendel out for a couple of drinks and it only took two to get him excited about uh the super bowl idea and uh at that point he was like yeah let's just go do this uh the next night uh, we got to dinner with our cfo tim and amit really did most of the work for me and Sure.
3: How many drinks did that meeting take?
2: <laughs> oh, there, there's not <laughs> enough alcohol in the world. <laughs> Trust me. That, that was much harder. We love you, Tim. But I think when he saw the excitement that uh, Amit had and, and Amit told him, look, we're, we're going to do this for a fraction of the price of what a national spot costs. And this will probably create some short term noise, but mainly long term awareness. Which is great for where the company is going, and uh, and th- that's that's when we made the decision to go for it. You
1: you answered the question that I had, which was how did you pitch this to your boss, the CEO? But it sounds like that was an easy sell. Uh, <laughs> it,
2: it, and it was not just for, it was not just the alcohol. So just to put things in context, uh, Amit, our CEO, uh, is actually a marketer at heart, and he was a chief marketing officer at several companies before taking on uh, his first CEO role. So this is the third company that I've worked with him together. And it's a joy and a pain because (laughs) he knows what great marketing looks like. He won't expect anything less, uh, but he's also a great sounding board and also understands the value of great marketing, which means that working at a company where, where the chief, executive officer really understands marketing is not a common thing and that is where mostly you'll see the the great creative stuff coming out from or a ceo just trusts their marketers that they know more than than he or she does because i think companies that end up doing boring marketing it's where the ceo doesn't understand doesn't care doesn't value and doesn't resource marketing
1: yeah absolutely
3: yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating because I mean, you guys do some amazing stuff. The Super Bowl ad, obviously, is one of those just one of those things. Um, and like you said, it, it's definitely not common to have a CEO coming from a marketing background. It's usually finance or operations or sales. Really, one of those two right. for the most for Sales sometimes too. Yeah, yeah. You need
2: that support to to, to achieve greatness.
3: Do you? I'm, I mean, this is more theoretical, but I'm wondering: Do you think if you didn't have a CEO like him? Uh, present, do you think you would have been able to get this across the, forget across the finish line, but across the the boardroom? I I think it
2: depends. I'll I'll give you an example of different scenario I was in and and that that we still achieved wonderful marketing. So the previous company where Amit and I worked together for, he was the CMO. I was the VP of marketing, and this was a company called Panaya. It was sold a few years ago uh, to uh, Infosys and our CEO there, uh, Yossi Cohen, He had a very smart approach to building areas of the company that he did not know enough about. Yossi was an engineer and brilliant computer scientist, but he knew very little about sales and marketing when he started the company. So he went out there and did what many people know is the best advice, but very few people actually take it, which is go hire someone who's much better than you at these things and then let them show you how to do that. So he went out and hired a VP of uh, sales, and he went out and hired Amit as his chief marketing officer because he'd heard great things about Amit uh, from other companies. And he let Amit do great marketing, and Amit brought me as his right hand, and we together did great marketing. So that was a very different approach where the CEO admittedly knew close to nothing about marketing, but he brought great people, and then he got out of their way. And I think that's a great combination to admit that you know not enough about a certain area to do it well bring someone who doesn't get out of their way give them the resources give them some rope to to experiment and get creative get out of their way and, and watch the results but you can't bring someone to do something you don't know how to do but still pretend that you do and tell them how to do it or don't resource it enough because you're not going to get anywhere that way
3: you know that's that seems to happen pretty often though
1: i think that's a point we need to underscore for everyone listening today uh, Udi, so let's talk about the Super Bowl. So let's get tactics, right? I mean, let's t- we're talking football here, uh, but marketing football. You have this big dream, okay? It gets
3: past and, and Gabby drop, Maybe even before tactics, let's let people know, like, what was what did this do? Like, let's get people excited about it because it's one thing to say we did a Super Bowl ad, but there's business impact
2: so so you don't want to leave the suspense to the end okay let's get (laughs) the result so um to set expectations you know we we had shared with a couple of board members since this was a a pretty big piece of budget we all needed to sign off we we shared with the board members our expectations for some long-term awareness but we we set a very low bar for what we would see if anything in the short term and then we we jumped to the end we did the super bowl commercial and Amongst the many KPIs that we measure at Gong, we measure every week how many inbound demo requests we get and how those convert to sales accepted opportunities and eventually to revenue. And the result that topped even our wildest dreams was that Super Bowl week became the record-breaking week for inbound sales accepted opportunities. So after four and a half years at Gong of creating opportunities every week, We broke all the records on Super Bowl week and saw a huge number, I cannot share the exact number, but a huge number of inbound sales accepted opportunities that we attribute a lot of that to Super Bowl that week. So despite us not expecting any measurable short term impact, we we got it in our face. And that made even Tim, the grumpy CFO, very, very happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a reason we called the show, Show Me the Proof, Get to the Point. Mike likes to get to the point, but I wanna know the proof. So let's talk tactics now here. The Super Bowl budget, let's say, was approved. The CEO's on board, CFO's on board. Now walk us through, what was going inside your head? What were you thinking in terms of, okay, what is this going to be? How? What was the creative process? Tell us a little bit about your team. You know, tell, sharing this with your marketing team. What what were some of the the challenges or pushback that you that you heard from the team, if any? Kind of set the stage for okay, it's approved. You have the green light. You have the baton. Go. What is going on in the mind of Udi Lettergore at this point?
2: Yeah. So th- there's a lot. There's a lot. First of all, as soon as uh... I shared with uh, the team that uh, guess what we're we're doing a Super Bowl commercial and we've got like three months to pull it together. Um, they were they were all elated because this is you know this is hitting the jackpot for any marketer who doesn't want to be on a team that does Super Bowl commercials, right? It's the biggest advertising stage in the world, and that's that's where you want to be, you know, just to put your name next to a, a project like a Super Bowl commercial. is pretty awesome for any marketer. So everyone was super excited to work on this. We, we had many challenges. First, to take you back in time, back in October was a surge of COVID cases in the Bay Area. Everything was shut down. Even getting out of the house during that lockdown or, or stay at home order uh, was, was very, very difficult. Now, how do we go and produce a Super Bowl commercial uh, in that environment? So of the many challenges that we had, I'd I'd say some of the top ones were who do we hire to help produce this commercial Two: how do we actually produce it under all the COVID restrictions and lockdowns? That was a time where you had to quarantine if you moved even from county to county, let alone like drove 150 miles away from home and all these crazy things. Three and four. These are more specific to the Super Bowl challenges. One, how do we cram everything we could potentially say to the audience into 30 seconds? 30 seconds is like the standard length of of a Super Bowl commercial. Some companies buy double or even quadruple, but the, the pricing is linear. So that was way out of my range. I could not afford more than 30 seconds. How can I cram the whole story into 30 seconds? And then the last one was, and this is a big, big challenge. When you go to mass media, how do I target my audience? And Gong's audience are sales leaders and sales professionals. How do I let the sales leaders in the audience, which are a pretty small part of the audience, how do I let them know that this is not the commercial break where they should go use the restroom or get another beer from the fridge? I don't want them to move from their couch while they're watching this commercial. So those were some of the big challenges that that we had to deal with. Shall we go into how we tackle them one by one?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. Let's, let's do it. Specific- I mean, I'm curious. I wonder if we can work our way backwards because that last one is the... The interesting one. I think we, I mean, COVID is COVID. We've we've kind of all dealt with it, I think, at this point, maybe not at that in that way, but how do you keep somebody?
1: On a their very, couch a so very going, oh, target, okay, your very niche target, yes. like yes. you said. Right. Let's let's start there because that's like Mike said, that's where we want to dive in. To.
2: So, you know, I've been doing content marketing for, for a good 20 years. And one of the things that always work when we do targeting of content marketing in a medium or channel where my target audience is there, but there are also other audiences. I'll give you an example. If I'm posting an ad or, or a white paper on LinkedIn, right? So my target audience of sales leaders are there, but there's also a bunch of other people from HR and finance and marketing, and I don't want to waste my money on them clicking my ads, and I don't want them wasting their time getting to a website or a content piece that's irrelevant to them. So one of the oldest tricks in the book is you put your buyer persona in the title or description of the content asset, right? So if I'm marketing Mm -hmm. um, something to sales leaders, and I don't know, let's say these are three three tips for building the best sales team in the world, uh, I would probably write something like the three tips every CRO needs to know for building great teams, or the VP of sales secrets to building and, Motivating a wonderful team. And every time you do that, you see that a very high percentage of the folks who click and download and consume that content are the buyer persona that you mentioned in the title because now they are self qualifying themselves. So if I'm a VP of sales, you know, it's almost like seeing your own name. I guess your job title is the next best thing at work. You see your job title on something. This is for VP of sales, and you're a VP of sales. Of course, you're going to click that. This is for you. And then if you're in HR, you just keep scrolling because this is clearly not for me, right? So I thought, is there a way of doing that on primetime TV during the Super Bowl? But that is literally where the inspiration came from. How do we target the audience sitting with their bag of Doritos and and beer and let them know that this is for all of you sales leaders in the audience right now. And so to, to fast forward the creative brief, uh, I shared with the production company, uh, our friends over at uh, Picture Lab. Hey, Alex and, uh, and Dave. And I said, we need to self-qualify our buyer persona, the VP of sales. I only want them to stay and watch. I don't care if everyone else goes to the bathroom, but they have to stay. How do we do that? And then if you, if you go and Google Gong Super Bowl commercial, you will see that the first five seconds or so of the 30 second commercial the first seconds are a nameplate on a desk in an empty office and the nameplate says Vice President of Sales. That is the first shot of the commercial and it zooms into that nameplate and then the VP of Sales character comes in. And that was my way of taking that old trick in the book that worked for traditional content assets on social media and anywhere else you you consumer content, why would that not work on TV? And it Apparently
3: did it clearly did since you just, is that still the, uh, the record breaking week?
2: It's still to, the record breaking this week. day. Yes. We have not broken it since
1: this, this visual that you mentioned this, you know, the, the, the name plate with VP of sales. I, I know you've used that, uh, that motif, that theme in another video. Uh, where you you had a, a I assume to be an actor who was playing a VP of Sales role, and I think the opening shot, if I'm not mistaken, is is the door. He's closing the door behind him, and there's a gold plate that says VP of Sales, and he says, "Yep, you read that right. I'm the VP of Sales." So so clearly that was now I believe that 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 video came before yes. the the Super the Super Bowl ad, correct?
2: Yes, that, that video is almost four years old. Uh, so, so there's a few interesting points here. One, yes, you, you're absolutely right that uh, we've done a similar trick before. Uh, there it was for a slightly different reason because that video was created mostly for our website. So that's a very different audience. If people already come to my website, they're clearly interested in what we're doing and they want to learn more. So I don't have to pull them in as much as I did on the Super Bowl. But the idea there was maybe two, two insights from that old video and, and then I'll talk about the actor as well. So one is, I personally find the standard B2B product explainer video to be yawningly boring most of them. And I apologize if anyone in the audience created one of these, but so I'm not going to name any names, but if you, if you look at an average, uh, B2B explainer, it's illustrated and it looks like you paid a hundred bucks for someone <laughs> offshore to do it for you Two. It usually starts with this is Dan. Dan is an accountant. Dan is good. and uh, it sounds like I'm a three-year-old being read a bedtime story. Um, I, I I don't like them. So again, how do we tell people that the guy in the blue suit is a VP sales without saying, This is Mike? Mike is a VP of sales. How about putting it organically into the video by him shutting his office door and having a subtle nameplate on the office door that says VP of sales? Isn't that a way that appeals to your brains a little more sophisticatedly than telling you, this is Mike. Mike is a VP of sales. Right. Nobody wants to be talked. Would you talk to your friend like that at a bar? No. So why would your product explainer talk to you like that? Right. So so that's why we did that in the video. And I think um, a couple of points uh, just to wrap up that walk down memory lane of, of our videos one uh i'm a big fan of live action versus animation why because very few people in in b2b sales do it in b2b marketing and sales do it for some reason most i know the reason it's 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 budget and, and lack of creativity for uh most people tend to go for the illustrated or animated product videos because they're much easier, much cheaper to create, at least the very basic version. If you do the very high end one, they, they become very expensive, right? If, if you get DreamWorks to animate your video and I'm, I have a CMO friend at, at Wix who got one of their Super Bowl commercials to be done by DreamWorks, that that's very expensive. But that's not the kind of animation most, most of us think of when we think of a B2B product explainer. So if you do the lazy version, they, they just look boring and generic. So I'm like, let's do live action because you don't see that a lot. So, yeah. so I started doing live action from, from the very beginning, four years ago. In fact, you know I've been at Gong for five years. Not once have I created an animated product uh, explainer. I think we're working on our first ones now after five years at Gong, but I've never created them before because I, I just thought most of them are, are really boring. And then the, the last thing I'll mention is that Uh, That actor, Michael, uh, who plays the VP of sales in the blue suit, uh, he's been playing that character for us for about four years now. He's Mm -hmm. been in four or five different commercial videos that that we've done uh, with the same suit, with the same smile, and I think that creates continuity. So we're not reinventing the wheel every six months and uh, replacing the actors and the concept and the art. But no, I've been using the same two video crews for four, almost five years now, for different yeah. uses, but they know the brand and you can almost recognize the camera movement on the first shot, you know, oh, this is not the gong video. And few brands are able to create that continuity. I use the same actor. I've been getting the same suit dry clean for four years so you can keep wearing <laughs> it, um, I'm serious. Uh, but this is how you do it. This is how you yeah. consistency and continuity for your brand.
1: Absolutely, you know, you're hitting on a theme that is very relevant in B2C brands. And we talked about that earlier, how really your inspiration is B2C. So very early into my career, before I even had a notion that I would that I would start a company, that was actually furthest from my mind. But, but very early, early into my career, I worked at a traditional advertising agency in Boston. And we, it was an award-winning agency. And our creative director, um, the company produced it was a Hispanic TV ads for a very big company in 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 the They have a national footprint, but this was for the East Coast. And one of the challenges that that we had as an an agency is ensuring that we get the same actors to be in all the spots, because that's really what tells the story. And every ad that was created for this company was a continuation of the last. I mean, and you could jump in halfway and and kind of know, oh, yeah, that's that commercial and these are the people and I've seen them again and they're coming into your home, they're on your TV screen. And you recognize them and you build a story around them and you have a narrative around them. And that's very much a, a, a sort of a, a B2C motif and theme that we see with large companies, um, consumer products and 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 especially companies that are investing dollars in traditional TV ads and and the like yeah. absolutely
3: I mean,
2: th- there's a reason why you see George Clooney and all the nespresso ads and and McDonald's has not changed their clown character in 50 years and Burger King has their their king and and KFC has their their colonel there's a reason because once you see those characters you immediately associate them with the brand boom you just got more brand equity if they change the characters every six months, they'd be just losing so much brand equity. Why would anyone do that? So in, in B2B, again, it's some I think sometimes laziness or, or lack of, of budget and creativity. But people are like, yeah, let's just cast this commercial or, or do uh, we found this new animation studio. Let's let them create a whole new look and new characters. But you're, you're losing so much consistency and continuity that you could have right. created by putting a lot of thought into it in the beginning and then carrying that over. Right,
1: right. Well, let's talk. I mean, we talked a little bit about the challenges of COVID and that sort of thing. You kind of touched a little bit on that. And then most importantly, the biggest sort of the the crux of, of the creative brief was how do we get our target audience to pay attention? How do we get them to listen? So you very succinctly explained to us how that was illustrated and how that was brought to life in the video. Let's talk a little bit about just the act of 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 doing this right you, i mean you mentioned this earlier udi not a lot of companies not a lot of marketing teams especially not in the b2b saas world although i'm sure that's going to be changing uh coming coming soon not a lot of marketing teams have the the privilege or the, or the opportunity to work on creating something like a super bowl ad so tell kind of break it down for us what what were some of the the steps that you had to take that perhaps you you may not have had that that experience in the past or your team may not have had experience so what were some of the the tools and and the and the steps that you put in place to make sure that you went from you know idea which it sounds like you had an external creative partner and an agency help with that but also internally what were some of the things that you did to make sure twofold one that that the I'm assuming it was maybe a committee or a team that was part of the Super Bowl initiative, but then making sure that everyone else on the team felt included, felt involved, and that everything else that, that you do as a company was not sort of left behind or forgotten. Because I know, speaking from personal experience, I was not on a team. I was at a company where we had a big, huge launch. There was a Super Bowl ad to, and I was not part of that team. And man, I tell you, I was really bummed about that. But- I think the the challenge of a good leader is to make sure that, you know, if you've got two major initiatives going on, a big campaign plus the everyday marketing engine that needs to run, how do you keep that going? How do you keep the teams happy, engaged, informed, but also ensure that everybody is sort of with the eye to the target? Because I would imagine as a CMO with this brief in your hand, that that may have been a challenge for you, so I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about sort of the day-to-day operations of going from you know getting the idea down on paper to realizing it um, on the big screen.
2: Yeah, happy to. So first, a little bit about sort of my my philosophy around uh, these these creative projects. I I'm a strong believer of involving the minimal number of people needed to pull things off, and to never try and design by by committee or or get a larger than necessary team uh, required. There, there's an old saying uh, that no monument was ever erected to commemorate a committee. And, and it's true, right? All the monuments, if you, if you go to every major city in the world, the monuments are one man or one woman, usually on a funny horse standing on its rear legs. It's never of a committee because committees never do great things. It's true, they never do great things. So I never designed by committee. There's always one decision maker and on on most marketing projects, I'm the ultimate decision maker if they're high profile like Super Bowl. And then I involve a small number of people that I want input from and I wanna hear other opinions, but they know that I might be the only one in the room holding my opinion, but at the end of the day, if I'm the decision maker, I make the call and then everyone respectfully disagrees and commits and we move forward. So Super Bowl was no different. I involved our brilliant content team shout out to Devin and Jonathan and Nahal um, and now Jordan. We have amazing creative people on our content team and I wanted to get their feedback and ideas because I don't think I have the best ideas. I I have very decisive taste. I can tell you what I like and, and don't like, but I'm, I'm very open to hearing lots of ideas because many brilliant ideas didn't originate with me. So, so that's what we did. We, we, We started working with our production company and we decided to go with the production company that produced all of those previous videos because even though they've never done a Super Bowl commercial and, and we did have a dilemma, should we go with a, you know, big name studio or production company that has done these before, or should we trust our instincts and our partners for the last four years and go with them again? And we decided to go with our partners thinking that they've done such great work for us so far, they should be able to do a great Super Bowl commercial as well. And they did. So we went with them because they already knew the brand, and they know how we think, and they know what we like and what we hate, and and it, it paid off, of course. Um, so, with my small creative team, uh, content team, we started working with uh, with the folks at Picture Labs, and and you know we reviewed several. Different concepts of what the story could be about. Should it be like sports themes or football themed uh, to make it more relevant for football? But I'm like, no, that's too obvious. Everyone's going to be doing something about football. No, that's that's the obvious is rarely the right decision. So so we kept exploring, and how much should we get specific about what the product does? Well, that can be kind of boring, right? Nobody wants to see a walkthrough screenshots in the middle of their Super Bowl game. So it's got to be something interesting. And then we started thinking about uh, different concepts, even thinking that due to production difficulties during COVID, we were thinking of uh, just re-editing old materials from that video that you mentioned of, of Michael walking down the corridor and uh, talking with his team members. And and we even uh, edited a, a version of that. We edited a fresh short version of that and it, it's good and we use it for advertising. But I said, um, I don't want to use that for Super Bowl because it looks like it belongs to a different era. Because remember, Super Bowl came off the heels of the worst year many of us have had during COVID, seeing an office full of unmasked people huddling together just looks unreal and not in a good way. So I'm like, no, we need to create a commercial that sends the the message of the times that we're living in. It has to look real. So, you know, part due to restrictions, but part due to our intention, we created a Super Bowl commercial with one actor, only Michael acts in it, The entire small crew that that shot it, we were all wearing masks throughout the whole day. Even Michael put his mask on every time the camera wasn't on him. So we we kept all the COVID restrictions. We had to move the location last minute to a different county that was less restrictive about quarantines so we could make this happen for everyone. And we built the entire script for the commercial around Michael being in a big empty office, missing his people, and talking to the viewers about what a weird year he had and how the team went remote and how Gong helped him and the team get through this. So I think the ad felt very sincere and well-placed in terms of the time where it's supposedly happening. Everybody knows he's an actor and it's, it's fake, but he's talking about this difficult year that he had and the team going remote and he's alone in this office. It just made everything seem so much more real than if we had rehashed some old materials or shot something that, that looked completely irrelevant to, to early 2021.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that was very telling on your part as a creative leader, as a marketing leader, to think about really, not only do you wanna to talk to a very specific audience, but you wanna really get at their pain and get at the challenges that they have had over the years. So to put out a Super Bowl ad that you're spending, you know, we don't know the dollar amount, but probably a very, very hefty sum right um to put out an ad that could be potentially tone deaf or could miss a giant uh pain or a giant issue that everyone has been experiencing is would have been would have been a a big miss so very smart to think through those things and to um you know to continue using that same actor which i think he happens to be very charismatic and he plays the role of vp of sales um superbly well Um, I think we completely ruined his
2: career. He can't do anything else after being <laughs>
1: well. You'll have to hire him at Gong then, apparently, right? <laughs>
2: Always happens. He's he's doing mostly theater now, so he's he's happy to jump on a plane and join us for another commercial shoot whenever we need him.
3: Very nice. I'd love to talk about, um, you know, what's what's next in terms of obviously this was a, a huge success, more more so than you even expected. It sounds like what's come off the the heels of it. Um, And along with that, I don't know if you can share this or not, but are you planning another another Super Bowl commercial for next year?
2: Uh,
3: There's a good chance that we'll do
2: another one. I mean, uh, after a success like that uh, that we had this year, uh, I'd be crazy not to at least consider doing another one. Um, I'm I'm happy to also share things that we tried following the the, the Super Bowl that did not work. And and that's part of experimentation. So Super Bowl was our first venture into television and, and a big one at that. As things, these things happened, minutes after the Super Bowl commercial aired, my inbox and LinkedIn were full of every uh, broadcasting network and sports team trying to sell <laughs> me sponsorships for every, every team and game that, that you can imagine. And uh, we, we bought a few. So uh, we did some basketball in the Final Four, and we, we've been uh, sponsoring uh, the PGA Golf Masters Tournament. And we've tried a few other things in the last few months, and none of them have been fantastic. I'll, I'll put it that way. None of them have been fantastic. We've been closely monitoring what's working. Uh, we, we could repurpose the Super Bowl commercial because it was not specific to football or, or even sports. So we, we used that great asset. And it's not been doing fantastically well in, in other sports and other programs. And so uh, we recently decided to sort of pause that, that part of our advertising Mike on my team who manages digital advertising, uh, send us weekly reports of how things are going. We encourage the experiment. And uh, we now have enough data to say, okay, we're gonna pause this. We're gonna take our money and energy elsewhere and and try some other things. I can share that I'm I'm very interested in product placement in television and, and motion pictures. I think there's some fascinating examples. As you can guess, they're almost all from B2C. So like all of you can name James Bond's drink of choice, and probably which car he drives, and there's a reason for it. I want people to recognize Gong in the next TV show that talks about salespeople. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of one of the directions I'm currently fascinated with. How do we how do we get product organically embedded in in media that people want to consume? Right. I don't want to shove it in their face. I want to be there when they want to consume something.
1: Um I think Udi you should get on a on the segment of what's that show, Mike HBO? The um uh Silicon Valley. Silicon
3: Valley, I don't know. We
1: haven't is it still going? I think
2: I don't done. know. I think, uh, think they wrapped.
1: Okay, that well we, we it's been a while since we've had our HBO membership, you can tell. But but it's it was a good and I don't show. watch
2: TV at all. I'm <laughs> about television. I don't watch TV yeah. TV at all. But but th- that's where my mind is going. Um I don't want to give too much away because we we are working on on some pretty surprising things, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this, you know, um, branding and logo don't have to be just visual. Um, There's an amazing book uh, that Martin Lindstrom wrote many years ago. It's called brand sense. And he talks about how we can all immediately recognize the smell of crayons and of a new car and how we can probably all remember the ringtone of a Nokia or the start, uh, sounds of Windows 95, right? Those are part of their brands, and they appeal to senses other than our sight. Mm-hmm. Why don't B2B brands appeal to other senses other than sight? Why do we all just have a logo and a typeface and, and a color, but we don't have anything sonic or auditory uh, or, or olfactory? So uh, I'm actually spending some money and time right now on developing other sides to the Gong brand that Will be out hopefully in a few months. Uh, I'm not going just for your eyesight anymore. I'm I'm going to brainwash you with <laughs> with your smell and and with your hearing and with everything I can I can get my my hands on. Um, so,
1: cue the gong sound right now. <laughs> cue it up.
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: Boom. Um, yeah. I mean,
2: why, why not? You know- I, why not create something that every time people not only see but also hear or smell or touch? is identified with your brand. I mean, that's, that's only a good yes. thing. And B2C brands have understood that for many, many, many years, uh, which is why they keep their you know jingles and animations and smells and, and they repeat them over and over and over. So I'm, I'm looking to expanding the Gong brand experience into some of the other senses uh, these days. Um, I'm excited to see uh, in-person experiences and events come back uh, towards the end of this year. And we're already busy planning our you know, brand new hybrid experiences. And what's that going to look like? I, I don't want to give too much away to, to leave something for the element of surprise. But uh, before this year is, is done, we're, we're going to have some new and exciting hybrid experiences that folks can tune into in multiple ways, in multiple locations, uh, however they choose to join us.
1: Air that cool. is very exciting, and we are um, we are based in the Twin Cities, and and I know you you guys have an office in uh, in 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 California and Israel. So hopefully, if we get a chance to travel your way, we'll we'll maybe get a chance to experience those in person. But for sure, our team and I know a lot of people in our network. We are excited to at least vicariously experience those things from the comfort of our homes and digitally. Well, you know what, Udi, it's time of the show to get to the point. This is where we ask you some more questions. We kind of dig further on um, how could somebody in a similar whether whether it's another another B two B company or another company in general replicate your success. Now, we all know that doing a Super Bowl ad may be a bit of a stretch for a lot of people in terms of budget and 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 just the ability to 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 do that, but. But you know, you've shared a lot of other suggested ways in which B2B companies can think outside the box, do something that breaks the mold. So, what advice would you give to other CMOs or other marketing leaders in other companies that that want to do something that breaks the box, breaks the mold?
2: So here here are three quick pieces of advice. One, unless you're heavily inclined into actively improving the product that your company sells, and most marketers are not, you should join a company that has demonstrated product market fit. If they have not demonstrated product market fit, you as a marketer will not be able to fix that. And that means that the company is going to run out of money to give you to do creative marketing way sooner than you expect so find a company who has achieved product market fit and there are several ways you can google it even i wrote an article about it how to identify that in companies by looking customer reviews and, and talking to customers and seeing that there's a real need for the product that's that's prerequisite number one prerequisite number two work for a boss whether your boss is the ceo or the cro work for a boss that understands the value of marketing has seen great marketing, believes in great marketing, and will prioritize and resource marketing in a way that you have something to work with. I think it's difficult to the point of maybe impossible of changing someone's view on marketing. So if you have a CEO who doesn't believe in marketing and we've all heard and and met those people, uh, you're probably better off going somewhere else. There's no easy way of saying this, but if you're frustrated, if you're finding yourself proving the need for marketing, uh every month and every quarter, it's probably not the company that's going to allow you to do these creative, wonderful things. So number one was identify product market fit so that you can just scale uh the message and the story of a product that actually works and people can be excited about. Two, work for a boss who understands values and resources marketing. And three, within your annual budget, leave something. It can be five percent or 10% or 15%, but leave a certain percentage of your budget for experiments that you are not committing to in advance you don't know what those will be when i heard about the super bowl in october i did not know about that the previous december when i signed off on my budget so have an experiments budget that you can use ad hoc as you see new opportunities when when i saw an opportunity for wrapping cars around dreamforce i hadn't thought about that or even known about that a year in advance but when dreamforce uh, came around, and a uh, month before I saw this opportunity, I had an ex- experiments budget that I could jump on and use and and utilize that opportunity and, and hijack a lot of traffic my way. So I think those those are three things that are going to get you off to a great start.
1: That is uh, brilliant advice. I think for anyone listening out there, um, it, and and whatever level of your career, right? You know, you don't have to be a chief marketing officer, or a VP of marketing to take that advice and apply it to your career. Um, like you said earlier most things don't happen by committee they happen by one person making leading the charge so but but if you are somebody on a marketing team that is listening today taking this advice and whispering it in the ears of your boss or of of your uh, of the people that are above you and decision makers not only do you make them look good you make yourself look good and you learn some valuable lessons on your way and as you grow in your career so udi thank you so much for sharing the journey to Super Bowl with us, the challenges that you had to experience with COVID, which we all experienced so many challenges with COVID. But then you got to add the additional challenge of doing something that the company has never done before in such a big way, making such a big difference um, overnight to your uh, to some of your your KPIs and and your and your sales metrics and marketing leads. So kudos to you, kolakavod, um, as as we say.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Let's get to the lightning round. So this part of the show is a lot of fun. We're going to ask you some fun questions, and maybe we'll throw in a couple that are that might surprise you. So, Mike, do you want to kick us off? All right.
3: Sure thing. So question number one, what is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success?
2: Pipeline-generated
3: what is a new marketing strategy or tactic that you're looking forward to testing out this year which you've already given us a whole bunch i think
2: uh one that we just uh relaunched a couple of weeks ago is uh, a weekly live linkedin show we were we were the first company to broadcast live on linkedin we were the alpha partner of linkedin when they launched that feature uh, over two years ago Uh, they've come a long way. We've had some learnings and we just relaunched a LinkedIn live show that we're excited to see uh, where it'll go.
1: And what day of the week is that just for our listeners? Oh,
2: you caught me off guard. It's Friday. I know it's Friday, actually. It's Friday. Okay, It's a Friday show on LinkedIn. All right. uh, Tune in for that.
3: We'll include the link. Very nice. What is a tool or platform that you use in your work that you couldn't live without?
2: Ooh. um, I... Just for my personal use, I would say uh, Chili Piper is a lifesaver for scheduling meetings and sharing availability, at least uh, until I get someone to help me with that.
3: (laughs) Um, What is your least favorite business word or phrase?
2: Best practice. (laughs) Best practices are boring, overused, unexciting practices If you follow them, you will get boring, mediocre results. They'll be okay. You probably won't fail. But if you're looking to stand out and cut through the noise, you're not going to do that with best practices because that just means by the time something became a best practice, everyone's doing them. If you're doing what everyone else is doing, don't expect extraordinary results.
1: Amen to that. I'm
3: saturated by then. Um, What is your favorite podcast? Oh,
2: um, I'll just be honest. I have not found a way to work podcasts into my life. I'd have to say that I happen to be wearing the reveal podcast shirt, which is an amazing podcast by Sheena Badani and Devin Reed. So uh, it's got over a hundred thousand downloads. If you're not one of them, then you're the last ones not there yet. So go download <laughs> uh, the reveal podcast, add that to your uh, Monday morning routine. But uh, honestly, outside of our own, I have not been able to work in podcasts into my uh, routine.
3: So you, you also mentioned you don't really, uh, watch a ton of TV. So with I that, don't. what is your favorite business or marketing book?
2: Uh, Influence by Robert Cialdini, that's very easy one. That is the Bible of marketing. Um, my, my team jokes that, that like the easiest way to lose your job is if you get a mistake around content that's in that book, because it's required reading on my team. Um, you have to read Influence by Robert Cialdini. It's genius. It's, Refines the six pillars of how to persuade human beings and even though it was written in the early 80s it Encapsulates how we move people today on social media on television and sales calls in every situation where you're trying to convince someone to do something If you truly understand those six pillars you can get anyone to do anything and, and you'll be a much much better marketer
3: Excellent and last but not least Uh, who is a B2B marketing expert that you admire on LinkedIn?
2: B2B marketing experts on LinkedIn. There, there's several, uh, I'll have to mention Robin from Matterport, Ryan from Whereby formerly from G2. There's Trisha at Drift who is doing wonderful work and maturing that brand in the last couple of years.
3: Um, so I think I'll pause there. Perfect.
1: Wonderful. All right, a couple of bonus questions. Um, All right, now I know you said you don't watch a lot of TV, but surely you have a favorite Super Bowl ad.
2: (laughs) I told you I don't watch TV. I'm terrible. (laughs) I'm terrible. Um,
1: Okay. Okay. All right. We'll give you a pass. You can you can come back to it. I
2: I will. I will. I will say though that this this year another. I think it was the only other B two B. Brand other than Gong was Fiverr, which interestingly is another Israel-founded company. Um, they had a very interesting uh, commercial that, um, if anything, it was it was bold and unconventional. They they hired the owner of Four Seasons Landscaping. If you remember that story, they hired him for for the commercial. Uh, I thought that was that was a gutsy move.
1: I don't remember that one. I'll have to Google it. Um, yeah. All right. you've mentioned throughout our show today that really the B2B brand experiences are some of the most memorable to you and things that you'd love to see more B2B, I'm sorry, B2C, but more B2B brands uh, embrace. Do you have a favorite B2C brand experience that that sticks out in your mind?
2: Uh, I I usually return to Disney or one of their sub-brands like the Muppets. Uh, I think no one can even compete with them on storytelling. And what other brands elicits words like magic when you describe the experience that they give you? Whether you're a child or an adult going to a movie. Um, I just watched the the new Cruella movie that that came out last week and it's magical. It's, it's just magical. And I, I went with my three kids to Disneyland um, last year and I had very low expectations. I thought that you know all the great memories I had as a child Belonged in my childhood, but it was completely magical. I probably enjoyed it more than my kids did. Um, If you can do, you know, one hundredths of that in your brand, um, then you're going to do great.
1: I completely agree. And it's probably no accident that we see Kermit the Frog and Eeyore Uh, behind us on the (laughs) videos.
2: And and up top of them as well.
1: Uh, Yes. Well, Udi, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We've really enjoyed getting to talk to you, learn more about all the exciting things that you're doing at GONG. Um, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you?
2: Uh, the two ways is look me up on LinkedIn. There's only one Udi Lettergore on LinkedIn, so I've got very little competition on the name. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. And- <laughs> Uh, if you're last to get on the revenue intelligence train, please go to gong.io and ask for your gong walkthrough today to see how we can help your revenue team.
1: Wonderful. Udi, thank you. And everyone listening, we look forward to having you listening back on the show next week. Awesome.
2: Thanks for having me, everyone.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Show Me The Proof, Get To The Point podcast. Join us weekly for new episodes and seriously smart B2B marketing success stories. We'll show you the proof and get to the point every time. Find additional resources on the Proofpoint website, www.proofpoint.marketing, including the full episode library with show notes, guides, templates, and more great resources. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.